Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. Uh, quite a, an eventful Tuesday here on, on the Browns beat. Uh, I don't know that any of us necessarily expected everything that happened today uh, regarding Greg Newsom. We're going to kind of get into the whole Greg Newsom situation, whatever we want to call it, as we go through this pod. But just to recap a little bit of what happened, Greg Newsom, uh, the Rosenhouse Sports Agency tweeted out that they uh, now have Greg Newsom back as one of their clients. It's the third time he's changed agents. The second time he's gone with Rosenhouse. Um, then there was a report that Greg Newsom had asked to be traded. It was quickly debunked, but of course it became a whole ordeal. Uh, it created more stories basically saying that Greg Newsom had not asked to be traded. So Mary Kay, um, that sometimes there's just days like this on this beat where crazy things happen. Um, I mean, the Browns, the Browns didn't really do anything today, but they end up being kind of the biggest story of the day in Cleveland. Yeah. And you know what? Can, can you just take a few days off for Easter weekend to go visit a family member in Quebec city? I was flying home after visiting my daughter in Quebec city and, you know, you just want to, you know, get home and have everything be calm and take a couple of days, enjoy a trip. And, uh, you know, just the Greg Newsom stuff's just flying all over the place. And, of course, you did a great job writing the stories, Dan. But, uh, you know, it's just, you know, it's just not something you wish would be happening when you're going through customs and you're trying to keep up with what's going on on Twitter and all that kind of stuff. But I will say that when I was at um, when I was out in Phoenix for the Super Bowl and during Super Bowl week and Greg Newsom tweeted unequivocally no to a fan asking him if he was open to playing inside. Uh, I knew from that minute on that that was going not going to be the end of the story, that this was going to have more layers to the story. And he doubled down on that a couple times. And now here we are. He's back with Drew Rosenhaus and, uh, Again, it's uh, his third agent switch since he was drafted in 2021. And that's a lot. I mean, that really is a lot. Um, But as of right now, it seems like all is calm. Greg wants to be here. He's hosting the the big old softball tournament on June 24th. And uh, there's no trouble in paradise, apparently. (laughs) Yeah, no trouble in paradise. Maybe we'll maybe we won't be saying that at the end of this podcast as as we talk through all of this. But um, yeah, Ashley, everybody's playing nice right now. I, I do think the the thing about it though, kind of based on everything that's happened, and and this goes back to one of his last media sessions even uh, before the Super Bowl. You know, Mary Kay, you and I were asking him about playing inside, and he kind of he wasn't as definitive, but he was. You could tell that he didn't really love it. Um, I, I guess part of it is this, tr- even though the, the report was not true, it felt believable to an extent. Like you could see a situation where Greg might say, you know what, they told me I have to play inside again and I won out. Um, now there, there's circumstances, the Browns have complete control over Newsom for the next three years, but there, there is a world where you could see that being the case where he does something like that. Yeah, and I think like adding to the initial believability, if you want to call it that, of the the thought of him potentially wanting a trade, like every time 
it seems like he's tweeted this off season that's come up or he's responding to a fan asking him about whether he would want to play outside. He's tweeting N-O in capital letters and retweeting Perry on Winfrey and, and doing all these things despite this like probably being a time when he would be taking a social media break. So I think there had been this perception about him that he had been publicly disgruntled maybe, but I do think like there is something to the effect of, and I think we've talked about on the podcast before, like, I don't know. It'll be interesting the next time Greg talks, because I think sometimes when you are like in your twenties, you might just kind of be out there tweeting. And like, there's a very real world where a normal 23, 24 year old is using Twitter kind of to express every thought that's in their head and not really thinking about it at the time. Right. And that it might not be something that is set in stone or or super meaningful. And it's just a thought in the moment. So I'm like, I don't know how much of it is that, how much of it is very, you know, him doubling down on not wanting to play inside anymore. But um, it's definitely, obviously, I think at this point, something to keep an eye on because it's come up so much since that locker clean-out day. Yeah, so Ashley makes a point there, Mary Kay. And um, I think, I don't remember if it was a Hey Mary Kay when we talked about this or not, but, you know, Greg's generation, what is he, 21, 22 years old? He's still really young. Um maybe doesn't take social media as seriously as we do. And especially Twitter, um, that, that it's just sort of something fun and they love to get the reaction and they love to get the clicks and, and all of that. So, you know, I suppose there could have been an element in all of that with, with what Newsom was doing. But like you said, it seems like every time he's on there, there, you know, it does sort of call back to this idea that, Hey, I don't want to play this a lot. Yeah, you know what? I do think it rises above because we have speculated about that. We have wondered, is this just Twitter fodder, right? We have talked about that. But I do think that this transcends that. I really do. I don't think that he would be changing agents if he was completely comfortable with his role and how everything has gone down. Sometimes where there is smoke, there is some kind of fire. I mean, you know, not to not to say that he wants to be traded right now, but perhaps there has been a thought in his mind. I think I even speculated in that very first story that I wrote about this at the Super Bowl. Like, is does this bold proclamation, you know, could this possibly lead to uh, him wanting to be traded, knowing that there are two starting cornerbacks in front of him that are going to be playing on the outside in Martin Emerson and Denzel Ward. And where is he going to fit? Um, so, you know, I can't honestly say that I don't think that the thought has ever crossed his mind, although he does seem to me to be sort of the man about Cleveland in the way that Joe Hayden used to be. Um, you know, he, he is that guy. I mean, he's now tweeting that he's going to be, he is an enormous Cavs fan Uh, He's now tweeting that he's going to be at the Cavs game on Saturday on game one. That is that this coming Saturday already? Oh boy. Yeah. Coming up fast. Um, (laughs) So, uh, you know, he's tweeting about being there and, um, and so I, you know, I do think that he loves it here. And I think that he's a really great fit for this town and for this city and for this team. Uh, but I do think that there is something, there's something there about the fact that, you know, he doesn't love that role necessarily of playing inside and being inside and that some of the spinoff stuff uh, is directly related to that. Yeah, Ashley, and, and you know, obviously when you've covered the Cavs, you've seen him there. Um, he's Look, he's from the Chicago area. So, 
you know, he kind of grew up in an area similar to where he is now. And he has certainly embraced. It. I think the Joe Hayden comparison is, is interesting because obviously that's what Joe was, was doing a lot of. He was going to Cavs games and, uh, you know, then Indians games and he was everywhere. And I, I mean, he's, he is still kind of everywhere in Cleveland. I, you know, he lives out in LA now, but he's, he's back in the area on occasion and recently retired as a member of the Browns. So he was sort of Mr. Cleveland. The key difference here, though, is Joe was sort of, I mean, he had to earn his way on the field, but once he got on the field, he was the number one corner. And Greg is sort of facing this reality of, like, if you want to play, you might have to make some sacrifices. Yeah, and, like, I still wonder if this, you know, public outspokenness about not wanting to play inside, like, has to do with the fact that, Hey, stats-wise, Greg Newsom hasn't really accomplished everything that he, you know, hopes to accomplish and everything that he's hoped, I guess, he would have accomplished by this point. Like, he still doesn't have an interception. Um, and, you know, I think you see these stats where all well, teams are, you know, maybe not throwing to him as much because he can stop guys. But I do think, like, those takeaways are the next part of his game that just haven't really come yet. And when you're, you know, want to be looked at as one of the best corners or one of the best cornerback duos in the NFL, that's like a big part of it. And I think that's understandably now why him and Denzel Ward, especially like going into last year, got overlooked for some of that stuff. So I think for me, part of that not wanting to play inside is Greg thinks, and when he's talked about it, that he can't really produce in the same way inside that he feels he would be able to outside. Now, I don't know what the truth is. The truth probably lies somewhere in the middle, right? <laughs> like as these things typically often do. But I do wonder how much of that and him maybe feeling that pressure a little bit now entering year three and, hey, not having accomplished some of these things I'm sure he thought he would have by this point is really maybe fueling the fire with this a little bit. Yeah, Mary Kay, there is a disconnect. And, and this can happen with, with a young player. Like there is a disconnect, I think, maybe – between how we talk about Newsom versus how he's produced on the field. Now, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to speak for, for all of us, but I think we would all agree that we think he's a he's a good player and has the potential to be a good corner. Um, but as Ashley mentioned, he hasn't had an interception yet. Uh, he did make the NFL's All Rookie Team his rookie year, but you know, obviously, hasn't gotten any sort of Pro Bowl recognition or anything like that. There is still a disconnect, I think, between how we talk about him and sort of. And maybe it's just an accolades thing. Some of those catching up with with Greg on the field, like he's still sort of, it still feels like he still has some things to prove. Obviously, you know, he tweets out PFF stats a lot, um, but that that's sort of that's sort of the thing you can point to with Greg Newsom right now. Well, I'll tell you, uh, I can say with some conviction that he would tell you that the reason he hasn't taken that big leap or didn't take that big leap in his second year is that he was switched from playing outside to playing inside as the nickelback in the slot over the slot receiver. And it was a learning curve for him. And I actually think he'll be much better at it this year. Uh, you, you know, you've got to really be able to learn to do that. Life happens fast in there. There's a, just a different skill set that you have to have. Um, and so I think he would say, hey, you know what? Um, 
I, I would have gotten those accolades had I been on the outside for 17 games last season. I think that's part of the problem uh, for him right now is that he feels he is best suited to doing that. And let's face it, cornerbacks want to play on the outside. That's where the money is. That's where the Pro Bowls are. I just, as I said, I'm writing a column about this today and I just uh, got done making those points that, uh, you know, that's, you know, that's where you make your hay as a cornerback for the most part. But I still think that there's plenty of an opportunity for him to do that also, playing a dual role as a slot and as an outside corner. But I, you know, I, I don't know that we can honestly sit here and say that he wouldn't have had interceptions, wouldn't have gone to the Pro Bowl, wouldn't have taken his game up to the next level had he been outside for 17 games. And, you know, after that rookie year, like I mentioned, he did make that all rookie team. He was playing mostly on the outside because they had Troy Hill. There were a couple games where Troy Hill was hurt and he would slide to the inside like he did last year. Uh, he, he did that like two or three games his rookie year, but he was playing primarily on the outside that rookie year. Yeah. And I do think there are definitely some legitimate, I guess, gripes with having to essentially change your position in your second year when you felt like you were making decent strides. And, you know, I always talk about that first Bengals game in 2021, he played really well matching up against Jamar Chase. He had seen the most targets of anyone, all the other defensive backs on the Browns going against Jamar Chase. And he played really well in that game. I thought showed really great flashes. And you do hear, you know, I think about that, like guys who have to do something similar like that when they have to essentially change their main responsibilities or whatever it is to some extent a sacrifice. And it's a sacrifice because the coaches or whoever believes that it's going to help you win games. And I do think, too, that's when this winning cures a lot comes into play. Like, if they moved Greg Newsom and the defense was, you know, top five defense in the league for most of the year, and, hey, he doesn't have that interception or maybe gets just, like, one takeaway, but the Browns win and they go to the playoffs and it's an amazing season and no one's disgruntled, I think it's a totally different story, too. Like, if you start winning games and you make a big change like that, that helps ease some of your concerns maybe with some of the personal stats and personal accolades not coming if they don't. Yeah, I think that's that's one thing that does kind of at least rub me the wrong way a little bit, Mary Kay, is, you know, th- this team has bigger goals. And, and I understand, like, in you know, players are going to focus on individual things, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? Because there's a lot of money on the line. You mentioned it, corners get paid a, – a good outside corner, as we've seen with the Browns, can get paid a lot of money. That's one of the big money positions in the game. So I, I understand that players on any team, a, a good team, a bad team, they're all going to care about individual accolades. But a, a part of me just feels like, you know, th- this is a year where everybody just sort of needs to band together. And maybe this is a message that, that was delivered to Greg. We don't know. Maybe this everybody needs to just band together and do their jobs this season and, and finally get this team to where they need to go. And I, you know, honestly, the money kind of follows when a team starts winning and the team starts having success. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, Dan, this is a lot about what I'm writing about in, in my uh, column is the fact that he just needs to embrace whatever role Jim Schwartz has for him, because if he does what is asked of him, it will benefit the whole entire defense. And if you put the team first, then you're all going to have success and everybody gets to, you know, hoist the Lombardi trophy or whatever might happen at the end of the year. And I remember that week, that very week during the Super Bowl, where he was saying, you know, no about um, whether or not he would want to play inside. I was spending, uh, you know, a fair amount of time 
going to interviews where Jonathan Gannon, either in a one-on-one interview with me or maybe even some team interviews, was really talking about that team concept and saying, team has to be number one and then the individual. So if you're going to play for me, it's got to be in that order. It's got to be team first and then you. Team first and then you. And um, and that kind of really hit home to me. He kept it so simple, but it, it was really powerful. And, and it really means a lot. It means that yeah, you might want to rush the passer more than you're doing, or you might not want to get be put over the tougher assignment on the offensive line, but you got to do it. You got to do it for the good of the defense. And there wasn't enough of that going on last year where people were willing to put aside uh, their own desires of what they wanted to do for the good of the defense. Okay, let's take a break. And then we're going to talk a little bit more about Greg Newsome and what uh, some Browns folks have said about Greg going back to the combine and how the Browns maybe will approach this situation uh, moving forward. And back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Best. I'm talking a little Greg Newsome here. So I want to read this quote from Andrew Barry. Uh, this is from the combine when he was asked about Greg Newsome. He said, quote, we always have conversations with our guys, whether it's at the end of the season or into the off season, feel good about where Greg is. He's going to be a pretty big part of what we're doing moving forward. I think Greg, one of his value adds is the fact that he can play outside and inside, but we think he's a good young player. And I know Jim's excited to work with him as well. And my dog also had some thoughts there while I was reading that <laughs> quote, apparently. Um, Mary Kay, when I heard Andrew say that, I mean, the big thing that stood out to me was was the value add part about his versatility and ability to play inside and outside. Kevin, by the way, said that it was kind of it, it was kind of nothing to him the whole whatever we want to call it tweet gate um, about him tweeting no in all caps. He said that the day before. Um, Andrew made it sound like playing inside was still very much on the table with Newsom. Yes. And I think Kevin has made that clear as well. Uh, maybe not so much in a direct quote this, uh, this time around this news cycle at the combine or the owners meetings. Uh, but even at the end of last year, when we kind of brought up the notion of, Hey, Greg seems like he'd like to play more outside. And Kevin said the same thing. He basically said, uh, it's amazing when you can have that kind of versatility to play inside and outside uh, Greg is good at it. And, uh, you know, I think that that he and Andrew are singing from the same hymnal on this, where they believe that if he is the best option to be the nickelback, then that's what he's going to do. And the reality of the situation, too, is there are just certain times where he's not going to have the opportunity to play outside. So he's going to have to do what they need him to do. There will be times when he can play outside. Maybe they do. I was proposing different things. A rotation just based on playing time, uh, a rotation based on matchups, uh, you know, going against the speedy receiver in, in certain cases. Um, and then there will be other opportunities that will arise just from, uh, you know, somebody getting a concussion or somebody getting, you know, injured and having to sit out three or four games. So, um, and then the other thing is too, and we've talked about this before, you know, they don't just expect to be playing 17 games this year. They expect to be playing 20 games this year. So there, there are going to be reps. I think there are going to be enough reps to go around. Um, so even though I think Andrew and Kevin are, um, you know, basically kind of uh, paving the way for Greg to play a lot inside again, and I'm sure he will, we really don't know for sure what Jim Schwartz has in mind. And, uh, and it will be interesting to see how they handle this going forward. 
Yeah, Ashley, what, what did you think when you kind of heard that quote from AB and, and his the way that he sort of framed it? Yeah, I mean, I think the versatility piece there is the key piece. And I think that is clear at this point that that is where Greg's big value is for them. And I mean, even like, like you said, Dan, even his rookie year, yes, he played mostly outside, but when Troy Hill was out after, I think it was the neck injury against the Patriots about midway through the season, Greg was the one who kind of stepped up and played most of those snaps inside. So, I mean, I think I said this on one of the first podcasts where we talked about this, like Greg has maybe done the job like a bit too well. If he doesn't want to play inside, he didn't, he he performed. And now that versatility is a big part of it. And I looked back at, you know, my Google doc with all of Kevin Stefanski's interviews from last season. And I mean, he was bringing up that versatility when we were, you know, kind of poking around at this. Before the Commanders game in week 17, I guess that would have been, pre that game, he was talking about, well, that versatility is obviously, it's really nice. Greg hasn't been perfect in the slot. Of course, every player is going to make mistakes, but he's shown that he's versatile. So I think hearing that from the upper brass, like they're very much in sync about that. And I think that's kind of why Greg is where he is, where he's the, he's their guy there now because they want him to be on the field, but they also need Denzel Ward and Martin Emerson to be on the field too. And if he's the one that can play inside, that's what they're going to do, I think. And and the key point here, Mary Kay, is we haven't talked to Jim Schwartz. Like you mentioned, we, we've had one press conference with Jim Schwartz. It was his introductory press conference. We didn't get into a lot of football talk. Um, so we don't know what Jim Schwartz thinks yet about all this. And what, I don't know when we're going to know, honestly, because, we're, I mean, it might be the middle of May when we finally get to see an OTA practice. Um, that might be the first glimpse we really get of this unless – somehow we, we get Jim Schwartz before them. Yeah, I think the important, uh, one of the important things to remember is the fact that uh, Greg Newsom really wasn't the only disgruntled member of the Cleveland Browns secondary last season. And I think that, uh, you know, they, we, I heard them screaming at each other in the locker room after one game. Uh, you know, there were blown coverages. They were not all on the same page. There were issues in the back end. Okay, there were issues uh, that that needed to get to be worked through. And I know that John Johnson three was not enamored with his role. He felt that his versatility that he wasn't able to showcase what he could do. You've got Greg feeling like he wasn't able to do, uh, you know, the things that he does best. And there probably were others. Some of them kind of buttoned up and and just kind of kept things to themselves. But I don't think it was, uh, you know, the happiest secondary in the NFL last year. And, um, and I, you know, look, I mean, they've got a very, very experienced defensive coordinator coming in here. I know he's got plans. He's won a Super Bowl as a defensive coordinator with the Eagles. And, you know, changes will be made. Changes will be made up front. Changes will be made at every level of the defense. And who knows what they have in mind. There's versatility amongst a lot of those secondary players. They can all do a lot of different things. There are also other good candidates uh, to play nickelback, such as Thomas Graham. We haven't seen a lot of him yet, but he's a guy that can do that. So um, I think it's time for Greg to just, you know, get to work. He's going to show up for the start of the offseason program next week. It's time for him to just figure out what the role is going to be and how he can 
embrace it. That's basically what I'm writing about is embrace this new role that Jim Schwartz has for you. See what it's all about. See where it can take you and see where it can help take the defense. And I actually think it's going to work out okay for everyone. Yeah, and, and Ashley, I've said this before. It counts for Jim Schwartz. You've got Schwartz with a Super Bowl ring. You've got Juan Thornhill with Super Bowl rings. You know, even Oboe, you know, has a Super Bowl ring. Now, in the end, it comes down to your your stars, you know, buying in. But you do have guys who can hold up those rings and say, if you want one of these, we know what it takes. This is like this is what you have to do. And once you get one of these. Like all bets are off. Yeah, I mean, you you want to get paid, you'll you'll get paid somewhere. There's there's a lot of things that can happen for you if you make those sacrifices to get one of these things. Yeah, I do think that influence can definitely be huge. I mean, we especially talked about it with Juan Thornhill, just like his whole demeanor, it seemed like, that we got from his intro press conference and everything like that. I mean, and I think, you know, now with JJ3 not coming back, like that particular kind of voice, that leadership voice is going to be needed in the secondary on the defense as a whole. I think it's something they struggled with last year. And I mean, I've talked about this before, like obviously we haven't seen Jim Schwartz on the field yet, but we know enough about him and he's built this reputation across the league as this harder nosed kind of guy than I think Joe Woods is. And guys have different kinds of coaching styles. Joe Woods seems like, I don't know if laid back is the right word, but he doesn't have that Jim Schwartz old school kind of way of seeing things that we know so far. And I do think, like, I'm curious to kind of see how much that will limit dissent because there's certain things that Jim Schwartz, I think, just isn't going to put up with getting outside of the building and public displays of disgruntledness and things like that. So it definitely is kind of this X factor that we don't know how it's going to impact it. And, you know, the defense on the field and some of these personalities showing off that they were quote unquote unhappy or whatever with their individual role. Some of that's just not going to be the same this year, I don't think. Okay, so let's spin this forward, uh, Mary Kay. Look, you know, I mentioned in the first part of the pod that the Browns have control over Greg Newsom. They have two more years on that deal. Plus, because he was a first-round pick, they have the fifth-year option, um, which, which of course would be a jump up in salary for him. So they have that. Um, so that's essentially three years of control. He's eligible for an extension after this coming season, uh, if the Browns feel so inclined to do that. Is is this over? I, I mean, I know, I know there wasn't, it, it's kind of weird to talk about because there wasn't an actual trade requ- trade request, but I mean, is, is this, is this done? Like, or is this something that could, could this crop up again in the summer, you know, like with Kareem Hunt or in the middle of the season? Like, like, is this something to just kind of keep your ear on the ground with, or do, do you think like everybody's going to sit around and sing Kumbaya, like you like to say uh, when, <laughs> when all, when everything gets going? You know, anything can still happen. I, I do think that Greg has now established himself as someone who is willing to sort of speak up for what he wants, uh, you know, to let people know where his mind is at a little bit. And going forward, if there is something that he doesn't like, I don't think he's going to sit back and, and just take it. I think he will be vocal about that. Now, that's completely different than like a Denzel Ward. Denzel Ward would never go public with anything like this at all. He would not tweet it, I don't think. I mean, he would not. That's just not his personality. Um, but, you know, Greg is, you know, showing signs of, you know, kind of putting himself out there like some other cornerbacks in the NFL have. And uh, so, no, I can't necessarily say that I think this is going to be the absolute end. 
you know, just the fact that he continues to change agents, uh, I think shows that he's always looking to, to make sure that he's in the right situation and maximizing his career as much as he possibly can. And so let's see how this year goes. Uh, but I think it's almost going to be a, a one year at a time proposition. Yeah. Then, you know, with a guy like Denzel, he's set and, and with Greg, you know, it does feel actually like he really does want to control sort of the narrative of his career here early on. He seems to really have a grasp on who he is, what he wants to be and how he wants to be seen. Um, whatever, whoever he encountered early in his life that taught him that he seems to have a very good grasp on it. Yeah. I mean, it even goes back to what we talked about at the top of this podcast, right? Like he very clearly wants to be involved in Cleveland and seen around Cleveland and make it known how much he loves it here, which like, I think is fine, obviously. Right. But he did that from basically the moment he got drafted, he showed up to a Cavs game the next day. He tweeted about wanting a Colin Sexton Jersey, like made a big deal about it. He likes using social media, like players finding their voice, I think has gotten more common because of social media. Right. But he does, I think want an element of control here that when you play a team sport and you play in the NFL, especially you do, like Mary Kay was talking about, have to relinquish some of that if you want to be on a team that you know has the potential to make a Super Bowl run. Because it can't all be about what is best for you all the time, and it can't just be your narrative. So I think it is for him about finding that balance. I think it's something a lot of younger players have to go through earlier on in their career. Um, and it's, it's going to be interesting to kind of see how this all pans out over the next seven months or so from now. I mean, because like Mary Kay said, it's not, it's not nothing at this point. It's come up multiple times and he's been very emphatic about wanting to play a certain way and not getting the chance to do that last year. Okay. So Mary Kay, I, I do want to ask you one non-Greg Newsom question. Was there anything else you want to add here uh, about Greg? Did we get everything? No, I, yeah, I, I think we covered everything about Greg. I, th- I think, you know, like I said, stay tuned because, uh, you know, we will be looking to talk to him at the start of the offseason program as soon as we can. And um, and I can't wait to hear what he has to say. Yeah, offseason program starts on Monday. Uh, we're going to be out there on Tuesday. We're going to get some we're going to get Kevin and, and some players. So uh, we'll see. We'll see if Greg is one of them. Hopefully he is. Uh, but the one, the thing I wanted to ask you about Mary Kay, cause Ashley and I got to talk about it. It's not maybe what you're thinking, Ashley yet, but I want to ask Mary Kay about Odell. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. So Odell Beckham Jr. Signing with the Ravens, uh, Ashley and I got to address it on the Monday pod. I just want to get your thoughts on him uh, going to Baltimore. Yeah. I still have to write that column, which I planned on doing <laughs> yesterday, but <laughs> it's time. hard. I know it's hard when you're, um, you know, when you're trying to get a few, you know, little, little vacation days in. And um, so I didn't, I haven't gotten to do that yet either. And I can't listen to your guys's pod because it'll be spoiler alert for me because I have not watched succession yet. I've only gotten some texts from Ashley telling me how wild and crazy the episode was. So I'm very, very much looking forward to it. I can't wait. Do, do that that's first. What, Don't work when you're done with I know. this pod. Do that That's first. what I love about Succession. I love the craziness. I mean, the first couple of episodes almost weren't crazy enough for yeah. me. Like, I Has, need crazy for this Sorry, show. Dean, I need to hijack and ask a question. Has it gotten spoiled for you, or have you managed to avoid spoilers? Because like, I know you're not the type of person to sit and scroll Twitter, so I'm wondering no. if you've managed to avoid. I have avoided. I have stayed okay, off good. Twitter. I've stayed off Twitter, and um, and again, I was out of the country 
And so, you know, it was probably a little easier. I mean, I was running around Quebec City and it's like being in France. It really is. I mean, if anybody ever gets the chance to go there, it's like you have landed in, across the pond and you're in Europe and it's just the most amazing thing. So, yeah, I was in Europe over the weekend <laughs> and, um, and no, it has not been spoiled for me, but I love, I can't wait. I, I mean, you guys, I can't wait. We're going to have to talk about it more tomorrow once I'm up to speed because yeah, speed. it's the craziness of the show that I, I mean, it's so jump the shark. It's so crazy that that's what I love about it. And I, well, I, I hope it, I, yeah. I have a suggestion for you guys for a, a future pod, uh, this okay. week about that, but, um, Mary Kay, we were asking about Odell. Yeah, let's go back to okay. Dan was like, "I want to wait for Succession," and we brought we brought Succession up. And <laughs> no, succession right. waits for no one. I just so don't want to forget just, about OBJ. Let me. Yeah. I, I could never forget about OBJ. I loved covering OBJ. I had an absolute blast covering OBJ. Uh, I got to talk to him a number of times just at his locker about life and philosophy and just anything that could possibly come up. And um, so I got to know him a little bit and I really like him as a person. I really like him as a player. I ran into him at the NFL owners meetings two weeks ago. I was running around after him like a crazy woman trying to find out if he would want to come back to the Browns and what he was doing and blah, 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 blah. And it was so good to see him. I mean, it was really good to see him. And it reminded me that it really is kind of cool to be able to cover uh, an iconic sort of superstar like that. It just brings everything up to, uh, you know, to another level. And so I would have been thrilled if he had come back here because I'll tell you what, I mean, it gets the Browns on primetime television and people read everything we wrote about Odell Beckham Jr. And we wrote plenty. Um, so now the Ravens are going to have all of that. Um, it's going to be interesting. I have a lot of thoughts on this. Uh, again, I will be sitting down as soon as I kind of unpack the bags and get my act together and speak English again instead of French. No, I don't really speak French. I wish I spoke French, but, um, but, you know, just thoughts about him being back with Todd Munkin, him being paired with Lamar Jackson. I think it's, I think it's going to be dynamite. I think, it's, I think they're going to be dynamite together. And Hey, Greg, look what you have a chance to do. You have, you have a chance to go shut down Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, what more could you ask for? So the Browns, they have their eyes on this. They know what it's going to be all about. They know how good he is. They saw it every single day. I think it's cool that he's back in the AFC North. We're going to have things to write about with him here. And uh, I just say, bring it on. All right. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, those two Ravens matchups are, are going to be a blast, uh, especially if Odell is playing like like Odell is, is capable. Okay, there we go. Our Orange and Brown Talk podcast here on a Tuesday. Uh, we will be back with a Hey Mary Kay uh, this week. We'll also have our draft pod again on Thursday with Tim Bielek and Lance Reisland. So that's all coming up. Just make sure you get subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. We did a mock draft, actually. Tim, Lance, and I did a mock draft. Uh, it ended up working out pretty well. It was kind of fun. So uh, just get subscribed. You'll get all those pods right in your feed as soon as they post. And, of course, become a Football Insider subscriber. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info about that and get signed up. We were texting folks about Greg Newsom, putting some things in context all morning this morning. So uh, you want to be one of our Football Insider subscribers as well. Uh, for Ashley and Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks.